It's My Favorite Haunting, the podcast. I'm Mel. I'm Ames. Um, it's episode 57. Wow. 57. That? 57. I'm in heaven. I don't know. Um, actually, I'm recording from a closet. So if I were to play seven minutes in heaven, this would be heaven. So I guess in a long roundabout way, I am kind of in a form of heaven. <laughs> But it's okay. just me and, and like all my clothes and a ladder for some reason. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not, and it's fucking like balls ass hot. Yeah, Not ass hot, not balls hot, balls ass hot. I just made a whole new hot. Um, <laughs> it's actually not like hot, but it's so humid. I'm like just dripping, disgusting, gross. I'm just sitting here in the closet. <laughs> No ventilation, because I'm a genius. <laughs> yeah. I almost went off on a whole other tangent, but I can't do that because we're trying a new format today. So instead of just going off for like 20 minutes up front, we're going to give you all of our bullshit chatter at the end. I don't know if that would make you guys happier or not, most of you, um, but we're going to give it a shot. And yeah. see how it comes out. The, you know what worries me about it, though, is that if we have announcements and stuff, if people, you know what? I guess if you don't want to listen, don't listen. And if you miss something important, like a contest or something or a giveaway, we're not doing that today. But, <laughs> you know, in the future, I guess that's just on you. I mean, whatever. It's fine. Do what you do. It's a free world, kind of, in the in the podcast sense. You can yeah. listen or not listen. It's it's a free world in that sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you want to just tap out as soon as I finish my story, you know, bye. See you next time. Um, and if not, if you want to stick around and, and pretend to be in on the, uh, the convo, you're more than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded, that sounded weird, right? If you want to pretend to be in on the, I like to be part of things i wasn't saying that to like rip on anybody i just you know we like to pretend that you're here with us so you can pretend to be here with us i guess that's weird all right anyways on <laughs> with the show okay and uh, i guess i'm going first today yes yeah you can go first so um actually i think you visited this place before and we're not impressed but oh i got information from Back in the 60s, and uh, shortly after it was built. So, you know, maybe there's more to it than it seemed. So, we'll just get into it. I did the Whaley House in San Diego, California. Oh, you are correct. I was not impressed with the Whaley House. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. I mean, the setup was cool. For a museum, it was cool. But yeah, as far as haunted places go, no. <laughs> uh, so this was named for Thomas Whaley. And him and his wife uh, lived there with their children. And he was a San Diego uh, brickyard owner. Like, that was his first profession. <laughs> but before they even built the house, there were some uh, tragic events that happened. In 1851, William Marshall and Juan Verdugo were involved in a Native American uprising led by Chief Antonio Gara. Marshall and Verdugo were both convicted of treason and hanged on the property. And Gara was convicted of murder and treason and sentenced to death by firing squad. 
and uh, Mr. Whaley was witness to both hangings, and he was a participant of the firing squad. Oh. And then in 1852, a man named James Robinson, uh, a.k.a. Yankee Jim, a notorious thief, was arrested for stealing a boat. He ended up being convicted of grand larceny and sentenced to death by hanging. He was also hung at, at on the property. It was shoddy gallows. So all three that were hung on the property, they were strangled. They didn't break their necks. Oh. So it took them a long time to die. Oh, that sucks. And uh, where the gallows were is beneath the footprint of the house. It's in an archway between where the parlor and the study are. The Mr. Whaley bought the property, and they began construction in 1856 of the two-story mansion. It was a mansion back then, but now it's like it looks like a tiny house. And the bricks came from Mr. Whaley's own brickyard. That was an interesting fact. Well, yeah, because he didn't have to pay for them. <laughs> he owns them already. Maybe I should buy a brickyard and then I can just build houses and mansions like wherever I want, like for almost free. Because it's like building with Legos, right? It can't be that hard. You just put the glue. Yeah, I was going to say, you have to glue them together, though. Like cement, whatever. Yeah, but like if I can build Legos, if I can build the Hogwarts castle out of Legos, surely I can build a house out of bricks. (laughs) Right? Right. Exactly. Thank you. Sure. Why not? (laughs) Thank you for indulging me. (laughs) You can do anything you set your mind to. Exactly. In 1857, the family moved in, and it was uh, Thomas, his wife, Anne, and at the time, their three kids. And then a few months later, they opened a general store. But by the next year, their young son, Thomas Jr., he was only 18 months old, died of scarlet fever in the house. And then just a few months later... Fire destroyed the general store. Of course it did. So they were like, uh, this, is a, this is enough bad occurrences here. So in 1859, they decided to move to San Francisco for a while. In 1868, the family moved back, and it was Thomas, his wife, and now they have five children. And they returned to the house. He reopened the general store, and the house was like the center of activity in the town. Is where everybody went and hung out and stuff. If I'm remembering correctly, they had kind of like a display set up. I think it was mm-hmm. like when you entered that like approximated kind of like what they sold in the store. Yeah. It was kind of cool to see. Lots of old stuff. Also that same year, they converted one of the upstairs bedrooms into a theater. Yeah, they did. Because Thomas rented it out to a local theater troupe that was passing through. Don't think it was a theater for all that long, but, like, that also helped make it part of, like, the center of everything. Mm-hmm. Along with it being San Diego's second county courthouse. So they had a granary out, out to one side, and in 1869, they converted that to the second courthouse. And it became the seat of justice, so, like, that's where the main trials and stuff took place. But by 1870, local merchants began moving to the newly established new town, which is now called the Gas Lamp Quarter. Mm-hmm. And they started moving away from the center of the Whaley House. So, like, everyone moved away and they were, like, all by themselves there for a while. Oh. Uh, Thomas Whaley, like, wasn't ready to give up. He stayed in the house for a while longer and he's like, nope, nope, this is our house. This is where things are happening. 
Um, and there's not really anything over there either. When we went, there was like, that was the only thing I think there was like a bar or something across the street, but they weren't open. <laughs> so, cause I was like, we could go get some drinks. Let's go get margaritas or something. And they were closed. So that didn't happen. So like, we literally went there just for that and then left. <laughs> And then in 1871, Thomas was away on business, and a group of armed men held Anna at gunpoint, and they seized the courthouse records from the house. (gasps) At first, I was like, why? Who was it? What was going on? Because that was all it said in a lot of places. On further, like, research, I found out it was people that wanted the seat of government to be moved from Old Town, where where the Whaley House is, to the New Town, where everyone else moved. <laughs> that seems kind of violent and extreme for something so simple. Well, I like I don't know if it was Thomas or judges or who, but like someone didn't want that to happen, so that's why they like went in with guns. I mean, didn't everyone have guns? Was back it then? like? Yeah, in the 1800s, everyone had, like, seven guns. They're, like, TVs for us today. Um, They, uh, was it a case of, like, or I don't know if this was clear or not, but maybe it wasn't specified, but was it maybe a case of, like, that had already happened? Like, it was, like, officially, like, moved, and he was refusing to give up the records that they needed. So Um, So then they came and took them, like, the government came and took them. It was, like, it was kind of seemed sort of like that, but it wasn't clear that these were government people that were doing it. Oh. (laughs) It just kind of seemed like these guys knew Thomas was out of town and was like, we're going to go get those or something. Well, it was the Wild West. Everybody was a, was like a sheriff back then, right? (laughs) Something. They were something, all right. And then in 1882, uh, two of the Whaley daughters, Violet and Anna, not to be confused with the mother, uh, were married in a double ceremony. Oh. Uh, But Violet's marriage didn't last very long. And there's conflicting accounts as to why, like what exactly happened. Some say that her husband was a con man and he left her like he wanted the dowry and then he just left her. Um, others say that she couldn't bear the marriage, like he was like overbearing kind of brutish man. I don't think it was violent, but like You brute <laughs> Guys suck, man. Guys are jerks. That's why I have cats. They won't run away with my money, but somehow they get all of it anyway. I don't know. <laughs> Poor kitties. Either way, whatever happened, uh, she was divorced and then fell into a deep depression and she moved back home. And then in 1885, she took her dad's gun to the outhouse Mm -hmm. where she shot herself in the chest. In the chest? She was still... Yeah, in the chest. She was still alive when she was found and she was brought into the study where she later died. That's a statement, right? Like... You're going to shoot yourself in the chest. You know you're probably not going to die right away. And that shit's going to hurt. Like, so was she like, my broken heart. Let me show you the hole that he left. Seems dramatic. Yeah. 
I mean, she left like this weird poem as her suicide note too. Oh. I, I didn't oh. write it down, but uh, like it was. I'm sure it's Googleable. Yeah, it's on Wikipedia. So if you yeah. look up the Whaley family, you'll see it. Y'all can find it on Wiki. Not too long after that, it doesn't say a specific date, uh, the family moved from that house to a single-story frame house in downtown San Diego. In 1890, uh, Thomas Whaley finally passed. Finally, you say? <laughs> I, I don't know why I said like, that. Like, this dude is finally dead. <laughs> okay, I think I should say that over because that... <laughs> No, I'm keeping that. I mean, you can say it over, but I'm leaving this in. That was great. Finally died. I don't know. There's just so much tragedy. Like, I don't know. But was that his fault? Maybe a little. No. I mean, he did buy the property where three men were hanged badly. Yeah. And he was present for them too, right? Yeah. In 1905, the daughter, Anne, died in Modesto. So it wasn't in the house or in either family home. She, like, after she married, moved away. She passed in Modesto. In 1909, Francis Whaley, the oldest son, undertook the restoration of what is now called the Whaley House building. And by 1912, Anna, the mother, and her remaining living children, Corinne, Francis, and George, all lived in the house. Anna Whaley passed in 1913, and then Francis in 1914. George lived till 1928, and like, all of these deaths, I think they happened in the house. Like, they didn't go to a hospital and die. I think they passed in the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that would have been common back then, I think, right? Yeah. You didn't, especially if you were older, you just kind of, it's not like you're going to go in and get, like, life support. And then in 1953, the last Whaley to live in the house died, Corinne Lillian Whaley, at the age of 89. So she oh, wow. she was the longest lived of them all, I think. I think she lived to be older than her parents and everything. In 1956, the Historical Shrine Foundation of San Diego County bought the house and land to prevent the building from being destroyed. By 1960, the Whaley House opened as a house museum run by Mr. and Mrs. Reading. And then in 1965, paranormal investigator Hans Holzer and medium Sybil Leake investigated the house for the Regis Philbin Show. Uh, Regis what? And the what? Regis Philbin Show. I was never aware such a thing existed. <laughs> My oh, first yes. knowledge of him is Regis and Kathy Lee. <laughs> oh, no. He had a show long before that. I mean, I guess that makes sense. You have to kind of have had a career already to get a daytime talk show host gig, right? Uh, yeah. Well, just I mean, give those to anybody. I had the same reaction when I read this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> really? The what show and where was I? Oh, not born yet. That's right. Okay. Um, and Regis and his wife also attended this investigation. I know I've mentioned Hans Holzer before, but I did not realize how like important he was in the 60s for this kind of stuff. He was an author of more than 120 books on the supernatural and occult. And uh, he hosted a television show called Ghost Hunter. I could not find it anywhere. I could not wow. find it. I was so like, I want to see this. Where? From this like 60s. I'm like, I want to see this show. And since 2000, it has been operated by Save Our Heritage Organization. 
Uh, they have been working to restore its appearance to when the general store, courtroom, and theater were present. And that's when you saw it, when all those things were all there and fancy. <laughs> <laughs> so some of those pictures, it looks like, yeah, it looks like a cool museum to go check out. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was cool for, like, the historical aspect was really cool. Just for that, it'd be an interesting place to go look. And I don't want to, like, uh, let me be clear about this, though. When when I say I was not impressed, it wasn't, um, I wasn't there to investigate. It was, I was on vacation in California with my mom. And, you know, it was just something that we were kind of like, oh, this is here. Let's go check it out. We were yeah. the only two people there. So we essentially got a private tour. I had the impression that the tour guide was new to his mm-hmm. job. <laughs> and very eager, which is great. <laughs> but when I'm telling you that I like do paranormal investigating, like in my life, like I was at the time I was still new. I was still starting out, but like I was on a team. I had a few investigations under my belt. I felt confident in a lot of the things that I was doing. So when I tell you that I do this kind of thing, like in my life, like my not daily, my like monthly life. And that's not an orb. It's clearly a reflection of the chandelier off the mirror. Mm -hmm. Like, don't argue with me about it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, kudos to him for being so excited about his job. Yeah. I like, and I don't like to refer to myself as an expert, but between me and him, even back then I was the expert. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, he's going off of a script. It was very clear that he was, he was doing his tour and he was going off of a script because you could see him, like, pause and try to, like, remember his place. He'd, Mm -hmm. like, look up or close his eyes, get his next line, and then go and say his next thing. That's totally fine. Like, we're the, you know, we know why we're there. It's a tour. He's guiding us on this tour. The history was very interesting. The ghost stories aren't bad or anything. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I say I was unimpressed, it was just like we didn't have any experiences there, which, again, we weren't there to investigate. So whatever. Like, I wouldn't have expected to. But, like, he was really pushing the ghost thing, like, Mm -hmm. really pushing it hard. And even after I was like, dude, I do this. Like, I, I do this kind of thing. And he still wanted to argue with me. Like, that's the, oh, you got, like, three orbs. Like, no, it's not. There's the chandelier. There's the mirror. Here's the light. Like, it's refle- it's bouncing off the mirror and causing a lens flare. It's not, or a reflection yeah. or whatever. It's not an orb. I mean, that really turned me. That's what turned me off to it. It made me kind of like, eh. Yeah. So I don't want to, like, rip on them and be like, don't go. Don't waste your money. I think it was, like, five bucks or something like that. Like, something yeah. ridiculously cheap. For what it was, it was fine. It was good. Yeah. It was a good tour. You just don't expect to be wowed. That's all. And it's probably more fun if you have a big group, too. It was literally just the two of us in the sky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Sometimes that's good, but sometimes it's like... Yeah, usually I get really excited about it. Like when Andy and I went to the Borden house, we th- we were we were the only two that bought tickets in advance. So we thought we were going to get a private tour. We were walking to the house with our guide when another car pulled in. <laughs> and she was like, well, I'm not going to make them wait for the next time slot. And we were both kind of like, can't you? <laughs> 
It's it's five minutes. They're five minutes late. You should make them wait. And she was like, no, no, no. So, yeah. But they were fine. They were cool people. Whatever. I mean, a bit of stuff I got uh, information on is from Hans Holzer's book from his 65 investigation. So, it was a long time before <laughs> it was thought to be a haunted house. They were just doing it for the history back then. Like, the museum part. Yeah. So... We can move on to the hauntings now. Yay! Ghost activity started shortly after the Whaley family moved into the house. The um, historical archives people have letters from Anna Whaley to, um, I don't remember if they say who they, who they were to, but um, she definitely talks about the ghost activity. And the most common experience that people had at that time were footsteps and general moving around when no one was in the area the sound was coming from. So, like, they would be in one room, they'd hear footsteps from another room, or they were downstairs and they heard footsteps and moving upstairs, different stuff like that. That was and like the no main... one was there. <laughs> yeah. And that was the main activity. And at the time, um, people thought it was Yankee Jim that was making these noises. At the time, they no longer do. Oh, well, some people still think it's Yankee Jim, but there's, um, some people think that it's one of the other two guys that were hanged, and, um, some people think it was, um, Gara, where the, Mr. Whaley was part of the firing squad. There's different theories about who makes these noises. General consensus, it's someone that was killed, not just passed away. <laughs> makes sense. And, of course, during times of restoration, the activity would increase, so when Francis was restoring the house after it was empty for about 20 years, and then in the 60s, of course, they restored the house before they opened it for the historical tours, and then they had increased activity. Yeah, they yeah. did. <laughs> and visitors report seeing orbs. One thing about the orbs, especially if they're in photographs, most of the rooms are blocked off with plexiglass. Yes. So... Some of the orb pictures, mm, so-so. Yeah. There are some places of pictures where the, the glass, the plexiglass is not in the way. And, you know, maybe. When you're taking pictures of glass, be skeptical of the orbs. Or just always be skeptical of orbs. <laughs> well, yes. They are mistaken a lot. Like a lot. Like a lot, a lot. We all know. If this is not your first time listening to us, I'm sure we all know. My stance on orbs. <laughs> yeah. Visitors also see apparitions all over the house during both day and night tours. They have also captured pictures of a lanky man they think is Yankee Jim. And some visitors walking up the stairs feel pressure on their chest or neck. And once they reach mm -hmm. the top, the feeling goes away. But, like, they feel, like, a lot of pressure. Kind of like... That's where the gallows were? Hanging, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oof. See, uh, he didn't tell us that on the tour. No. <laughs> we knew, I mean, he went over, like, the executions and everything, but he didn't tell us that the gallows were, like, right there. Yeah, right under the footprint of the house. That's smart, Mr. Whaley. I'm going to build my forever home right over this awful, tragic murder place. Good luck with that, friend. Mists are also seen. Lights turn on and off by themselves. In the music room, 
there's a lamp that has like these hanging crystals on it and they start swinging without any cause. My one thing about that is it's California. They have a lot of mm -hmm. earthquakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's plenty of them that people can't feel, but they still move stuff. Yeah. So that's an iffy one, but you know, if you know there's no earthquake then, and it still moves. Yeah. You'd have to go and like check with, uh, oh, I don't know the name of the, the like group that monitors that stuff, but I know that there's like, you can go online or whatever and do a Google search and probably find it, but see, like, it'll tell you like, oh, we registered like, you know, this earthquake at this time, you have to go and make sure that there wasn't one. What time was it that that moved? Okay. Let me see. <laughs> a figure has been seen in the windows looking out. So people that are outside the house, after it's all closed, they see someone in the upstairs windows looking out. Um, others see the curtains moving, even though all the windows are closed in the house. Um, they see the curtains fluttering by the windows. There's also the sound of children running up and down the stairs. Mm -mm. And they hear crying and giggling. Mm -mm. Sometimes there's no kids in the house at all. <laughs> like no, no kids on tours or anything but they still hear little kids and they think that that's the baby Thomas that passed away here. Mm. And of course there's some cold spots and uh, shadows, shadow people walking around. So shadow people and apparitions, both. Shadow people are my favorite. I don't know if you can hear the sarcasm in my voice. But <laughs> no. There, I promise. <laughs> They're right oh. up there with kids. Yeah. It's my two favorite things. Well, yeah. How about none of them are my favorite? <laughs> <laughs> They're my two favorite things to hate. <laughs> yeah. And there's uh, reports of seeing a young woman lingering on the second floor of the house. And people believe that that's Violet. And that area where she's seen becomes quite cold. And people feel her presence, even if they don't see her. And uh, Thomas Whaley, dressed in his frock coat and top hat, is often seen at the top of the stairs or looking over the railing down at visitors. Whoa. Definitely did not see him. And uh, some people say that he's even blown smoke right in their faces. Oh, that's rude. I know. That's so rude. Why would you do that? Guests in your home, jackass. And uh, what is thought to be Mrs. Whaley is the most common spirit in the house. People can smell her perfume, and she is most often seen in the parlor. And then there is the dog, Dolly. What? Apparently, Dolly likes to lick your leg and your toes, and also brush up against your leg. So the dog has a foot fetish. That's gross. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Or just a licking fetish. <laughs> I'm not into it. Well, I... No, you don't... No, don't lick my toes. It's gross. <laughs> Okay, so now I have a personal account of um, a recent person, Dean Glass, a Whaley House Museum historian. He says, I saw a full apparition of a man, I believe was Thomas Whaley, standing on the upstairs landing as I walked up the stairs one morning. He looked at me as if he was curious as to who I was and why I was in his house, then disappeared. He was all shades of gray no color to him. I've seen a few other fleeting figures that are all gray also, but no one as distinct as Mr. Whaley. 
And the rest of the accounts I have are from Hans Holzer's book, Ghosts of the Golden West. And I found it on Amazon. I bought the Kindle version to read it. It was pretty cool. There's more, there's more hauntings than just uh, this one house in there. There's lots of them from the Golden West. <laughs> the Golden West. So, um, so if you want to get a lot of the in-depth details and stuff, like, they enjoyed doing, like, medium work and seance type stuff. And a lot of it has to do with the experiences they got from that. But there are some... Uh, two of them in particular I'm going to talk about um, Mrs. Reading and Mr. Reading's experiences they had. Um, because they have probably were there the most often, they had um, pretty interesting ones. So first, um, Mrs. Reading. She liked to practice the piano uh, that was in the courtroom. She used to practice in there and she would tape herself to hear how she sounded and if she was making mistakes or whatever. So on one occasion when she was practicing and recording herself, she caught sounds that were not in the room at the time. So no. the... <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like, because when you're doing an investigation, like you hope for that. But mm -hmm. when you're not, that's not your intention. And then you play it back and hear stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So <laughs> it caught what sounded like human voices. It didn't say in particular if she heard particular words or if it just sounded like a conversation or maybe like a trial going on in the background or whatever, but she caught human voices. Because I was going to say it was the courtroom, right? Yeah. So you haven't mentioned it yet, and I'm, I'm waiting until you finish, um, but if you don't touch on it, I'll bring it up because there, there might be a reason for that. Um. Yeah, I won't I won't touch on that because it never came up. Oh, okay. Well, I'll wait till you're finished. <laughs> okay. So then, um, Mr. Reading, in 1960, when they first opened, the fall of that year, October-November time period, the police called at 2 in the morning telling him to uh, go turn your burglar alarm off. They've been uh -huh. getting complaints from the neighborhood, like, it keeps going off. You need to go shut it down. So he went down there, and two police officers were waiting for him. He turned the alarm off. They checked the outside of the house, and they didn't see anything disturbed, like no broken window or Jimmy door or whatever. Everything was fine from the outside. So um, Mr. Reading opened up the front door so they could check the inside. No one was inside. They didn't find anything out of the ordinary on the first floor. They go up to the second floor, and one of the bedroom windows was open. Oh, no. The thing is, the shutters on the outside of the house were still closed and latched from the inside. So this is a... Oh. Wait. So... Oh. Yeah, like, um... Oh. You know, like, storm shutters, like, they close... Uh-huh. Like, and they latch on the inside, and then you shut your uh -huh. window and lock it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's why it took me a second to like connect those dots because wait a minute but the shutter's closed that didn't happen just the once no the second time oh. was about four months later again about two in the morning again that same window was open oh boy 
And it happened two more times after that. And it was the same window every single time. So after the fourth time this happened, they decided to add another bolt to the window. And it says they put it at right angles to the first one. I'm assuming the first one was like everyone else's windows. It has the lock at the top where it connects the two sashes together. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming this other one goes sideways into the frame of the window. Mm -hmm. But after they uh, added that second bolt, it didn't happen again. Wow. Yeah, so. Somebody really wanted that window open. Apparently. Stop closing my window. I like this view of the closed shutters. But that's so weird, though, that they would keep opening the window and not the shutters. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, Yeah, it was just, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I have a statement from Regis about Regis. this kind of stuff. I just, I oh, thought it was Regis. funny. His statement is, You know, a lot of people poo-poo it because they can't see it. But there was something going on in that house. Mm. People poo-poo it. (laughs) I hate that phrase. (laughs) It's just just funny. Like, I mean, it was in the 60s, so he's not going to swear. Yeah, I know two people (laughs) in current times that use that phrase unironically. And I I can't. I can't endorse it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hate that phrase. that's all for the accounts that i have um there are a ton more in that book if anyone wants to check it out it's pretty cool and um then how i came upon this hans holzer guy really how i got that much information from that time period was i came across a show called the holzer files and it's on the travel channel And for season one, episode three, it's called A Grave Revenge. That's the episode that deals with the Whaley House. And um, they did an investigation. They had two people, two investigators, and a medium with, with them. And they went through the house, and there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that they got, except for, like, the medium channeling stuff. That part was pretty interesting, but the main thing is 34 minutes into the episode without commercials. The main host is basically body checked by a ghost and he like slams into the other guy. (gasps) And they caught it on camera. Like, and I had to keep going, like going back and looking at it. And like, there's no way something didn't hit him. It's not like he like jumped up and like pretended to fall over or Mm -hmm. whatever. Like, you can't make your body move like he did, like, by yourself. It was pretty interesting. Those encounters kind of scare me because that's something where, like, like, I remember as a kid, like, you know, my mom telling me, don't be afraid of ghosts. They can't hurt you. But, like, that's something that, like, you could get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, on Ghost Hunters, I don't remember where they were. Maybe Waverly or Eastern State. I don't remember. Um, I think it's one of the older ones. They, uh, their cameraman. No, it was the sound guy. Because he had the sound pack on his head. Oh, yeah. And the whole, pushed, bag, right? the whole bag flew up and hit him in the face. Oh. And it was caught on camera. Like, because yeah. he was in the shot. And, yeah, the whole thing just out of nowhere. Like, he's holding the mic and the whole bag just flies up and hits him in the face. Yeah, that's right. Like, I remember that's that. T- and I think, 
I'm remembering correctly, he like was really freaked out and left after that. I might not be. It's it's an old one, so I might not be remembering that correctly. But I do remember he was freaked out, mm-hmm. and understandably because something just attacked you, like got whacked in the face. And like this guy, imagine like he got shoved like that, but he was on the stairs. Like he's going down. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were standing right where the gallows were under the front of the house. Mm-hmm. So. They were on solid ground, at least. Yeah. But, like, he was freaked out after it. Because, like, he's a skeptic, the host of the show. Uh-huh. Oh. And he was pretty freaked out. Like, he left the house, and he had to, like, and go here out ca- to where it's here outside. Here came proof knocking you. Like, literally knocking yeah. you over. Yeah, I don't blame him. Yeah, that was uh, one of the more interesting uh, evidence shows I've seen. <laughs> Just, uh... Two more small things. They made a, a movie about it in 2012. It's called The Haunting of Whaley House. And uh, the last thing is um, we can put up a link to the Whaley House official website. And they have a ton of photos. Most of them are orbs that are not ghosts. But some of them are interesting. It would be fun to look through, see what you think of them. And uh, we uh, it's... Pretty easy. It's whaleyhouse.org. Under their submit your photographs part of it, they have a, it's a ton of them in there. There's one that, like, looks like, can't remember if it's the top of a little kid without legs or just legs of a little mm. kid. It looks like. One of the most fun things about this science is that it's so subjective. So, like, things like that, like, you really could, like, you could have a 100 people scroll through all the same pictures and you can have a hundred different responses on each one. Yeah. Some of them are interesting. Some of them are camera flashes. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, like I don't see how you see an orb in some of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not an orb pal. Well, I mean, and people get excited like this tour guy that we had, you know, he, he was clearly new and he was very excited. It's mm-hmm. great, but no one to quit. yeah yeah and that's all for the whaley house so i have an add-on okay yes so going back to the courtroom when you mentioned about her playing the piano and recording herself and then getting the voices so on the tour we were told about the vortex that they think is in the courtroom and it was he pointed to the wall like the back corner behind the jury box Mm-hmm. Where the jury would have sat, like not the corner corner, but kind of back in that area, and like that wall behind where the jury would have been. Yeah. Um. And of course, he had us take like a bazillion different pictures, and nothing <laughs> out of the ordinary showed up at all. But yeah. um, for those of you who don't know, a vortex or a portal, sometimes called, um, is just kind of like a exactly what it sounds like, like a portal. Um, that uh, different spirits can come through. So they wouldn't necessarily be associated with that house, but because there's a vortex there, they can come through it from somewhere else Hmm. and, like, just pass by. Because Rolling Hills, there was the room in Rolling Hills where they had that, too. Yeah. Um, So if she's in there recording and picking up voices, like, it might not have even been anything to do with the courtroom. It could have just been somebody passing through. That's interesting. Because nowhere in my research was there any mention of a vortex. Really? Maybe this guy lied. 
I don't know, but like, was it just discovered? I don't know, but that was, I researched after you went there. I'm dumb. Yeah, um. <laughs> I was there. When did we go? I don't think it was 10 years ago, but. It was before we started this, I'm pretty sure. Def- no, definitely before we started this. I'm trying to remember what job I had at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't remember. Maybe it was 10 years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah, no no vortex in any of my research. And I I got, like, I went to a lot of places looking up that one. Maybe he made that up. Maybe he (laughs) forgot his lines for that segment and just, you know, rolled with it. (laughs) Which kudos to him because, I mean, he had us taking like a million pictures. I took a bunch of pictures of the, where the one in Rolling Hills was supposed to be too and I didn't get anything either. So, I don't know. Yeah. There's supposedly also one at the Shanley Hotel. I don't know if any of y'all remember when I did the Shanley. Mm -hmm. That was a long time ago. Um, But that's a place I've investigated there a few times and they're in the backyard behind the bordello supposedly there's they think that there's a vortex there hmm i don't know how they figure that out psychics i guess yeah i'm like i don't (laughs) understand where they how they figure out where these things are like i don't know yeah i'm sure it's something to do with like energy distribution Mm -hmm. and i don't know man i (laughs) You don't this do is vortex why I, science? This is why I do not claim to be an expert in this field. I'm experienced in this field. I would not call myself an expert. That yes. one's above my pay grade. I think that <laughs> one you might need like an astrophysics degree or something. <laughs> you might need to actually be Neil deGrasse Tyson. Actually, how that I think about it. Or Jane Foster. One of the two. Maybe both of them mixed together. <laughs> you could be their love child. And then have the ability through your genetics to figure out vortexes <laughs> clearly talking out of my ass right now i don't know what's going on well good job you made that house sound a lot more interesting than what i experienced when i was there <laughs> and like i say i don't say that to be like don't go like absolutely go especially if you're into history and mm-hmm. like historical buildings because they have the whole thing set back up the theater was all set up the courtroom is all set up they had the little area to recreate the general store Anyway, are you done now? Uh, yep, that was everything. Okay. All right. <laughs> I guess I should tell you a story then, huh? Yes, after my, like, novel. <laughs> okay. Mine is short and sweet. Hope it's not boring. The Historic Anchorage Hotel in Anchorage, Alaska. Ooh. Hey, Alaska. I, Alaska is on my... There's, like, eight states that I haven't been to. That's it? Maybe it's six. I think it's eight still. But Alaska's one of them. And it's probably the one I want to go to most of the ones we're meeting. But it's so far away. <laughs> I want to go. They, I'm sure they still do it. I haven't looked lately. But Juno does um, on the summer solstice because they get 24 hours of sunlight. So oh, they have a 24-hour yeah. festival. It's on my bucket list for sure. I want to go so bad. Anyway, but this is Anchorage, so there's not a lot of history. Not a lot happened here. But something significant happened, but okay, we'll get there. One thing at a time. All right. Their history is all up on their website, which is the Historic Anchorage Hotel. I'm sorry. I had to, like, stutter my way through that because I copied and pasted the website. You know how 
smooshes all the words together. Oh, yeah. And I tried to say historian because historic anchorage. And it's like historican. (laughs) Anyway, no one cares. Um, Yeah, so that's all up on their website. Um, And some of the the ghost stuff is up there too. Um, But I have other sources for that as well. So it is, first of all, well, first of all, what's left now is just the annex. The actual hotel was demolished, um, I don't know, some time ago. Uh, there wasn't a year on it, but it's still uh, the only hotel in the city of Anchorage listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Hmm. Um, and remember, Alaska's a newer state, so yeah, it's not super old. Like we're not talking about 1800s. I don't know when the original hotel was built. I couldn't find that, but it was built on the corner of Third Avenue and E Street. So Alaska wasn't even a state yet when, when this went down. Alaska mm-hmm. wasn't a state until 1959. So Alaska's not even an official state yet. It's still like the <laughs> wild frontier, kind yeah. of, like, you know. So the original hotel was um, was built there um, in 1936 because the city had been kind of, like, exploding. Um, they could no longer accommodate all the people that needed accommodations Mm -hmm. so they built the annex which was next door but like it was there was an alleyway in between them okay and then they even built a sky bridge to connect them (laughs) which i think is awesome i love sky bridges they're so fucking cool (laughs) like oh gee i have to go next door for a meeting because usually you see them in like office buildings or whatever yeah yeah i have to go next door for a meeting but gosh darn i'm on the 87th floor i don't want to go all the way downstairs and then come all the way back up i'll just take the sky bridge like how fucking cool is that until it collapses which is you know one of my worst nightmares anyway okay that turned that turned quick that went dark things got crazy so fast and this hotel was fucking fancy all right like we're out in like the wild west unknown frontier type deal mountain people and everything Mm -hmm. And, you know, everything's just rugged and here's this place, the only place in Anchorage to sit down and have a nice meal served on China with linens, like cloth napkins and a tablecloth (laughs) and like actual silverware, like made out of silver. Um, So this was a fancy, this was like, you know, a five star. This was like the Plaza Hotel, but for Alaska, Mm -hmm. I guess. For reasons unknown, the original hotel was eventually sold and demolished. The annex continued on, but it wasn't taken care of, and it didn't specify changed hands, but I kind of got the impression it changed hands. It changed names a bunch of times, and that usually means changed owners as well. Um, And so they didn't really take care of it. It kind of fell into disrepair. In 1989, it was bought by somebody else, somebody new, and restored to what you see today. Among the celebrated people who have stayed here, between the hotel and the annex as, a, as one entity, uh, Will Rogers <laughs> and uh, Wiley Post. Do you know who they are? I know Will Rogers. I don't know the other one. Yeah, I same. So for our younger listeners that might not know Will Rogers, but he was like a pop culture humorist. He was like in movies and stuff. I mean, I guess he'd be like a comedian, but maybe they weren't called that back then. That's the impression I got. Um, but he he was he made a lot of like comments on culture and and then Wiley Post was a pilot. 
celebrated <laughs> pilot. Second only to Lindy, Lin, uh, oh. Charles Lindbergh. I thought you said pirate. <laughs> oh, a pi- pilot. An L. <laughs> he could have been, maybe he was an air pirate. Like D.B. Cooper. That's why I laughed, because I thought you said pirate. And I, oh. I was like, I thought you were oh, laughing because you, I thought you were laughing because you realized you did know who he was. Oh, yeah. No. No, I didn't. No. So, celeb- celebrated um, plane flyer, um, but se- second only to, to Charles Lindbergh. Um, cool. So, they stayed here just two days before their plane crashed on the way to Barrow, killing them both. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know Will Rogers died in a plane crash. Neither did I. Mountain man, famed mountain man, Bob Marshall has stayed here. Sidney Lawrence. Um, he's known for his paintings of Mount McKinley and then just like Alaska scenery. But he actually lived in the hotel. He had an apartment upstairs and then his hmm. studio was in the lobby. So that's our, those are our notable people who have stopped by. That's really all of the history. Like only really one notable thing has happened here. And I'm about to tell you about it right now. <laughs> so now we're into our hauntings. So the annex is pretty active. Most of the activity is attributed to Anchorage's first police chief. Jack Black Jack Sturgis. <laughs> I, I do not know if he was actually black or if he played blackjack. Unknown. <laughs> but he was the first uh, chief of police for Anchorage. And he was oh, the night of February 20th, 1921 at 9.15 p.m. He was found in the alley next to... So it was before the annex was built. So the annex wasn't there. But the alley was there. And mm-hmm. he was found in that alley right next to the hotel. He was shot in the back by his own gun. Oh. Uh-huh. The crime was never solved. And it's believed that his spirit returns to the hotel on the anniversary every year to seek justice for his murder. Ooh. Okay, so then this was a little weird and silly and a little bit irritating. But their website claims a detailed account of several spirits was featured on quote unquote today msnbc.com and it was linked like it was like mm-hmm. high, it was a clickable link yeah but when i clicked on it it took me to msn's homepage which has nothing to do with either msnbc or the today show yeah so i got a little bit creative with my google searching but i found it it's an oh, okay. article so it wasn't actually on the today show but there's like the today show website and they had an article on there from 2007 okay common reports the generic stuff um Guests witnessing, okay, this was weird though. Guests witnessing the curtains on the second floor rumble. So, what the fuck do they mean by rumble? Like, are the curtains <laughs> growling? Like, are they hungry? And they're rumbling. Like, I, I'm guessing they mean like shaking or vibrating or something. But like, uh-huh. it doesn't specify. And this, like, this is written in several different places that the curtains rumble. So, I'm thinking like one person wrote that and everybody else just copied and pasted it because they didn't know what it meant. So they're just like, yeah, sure, it rumbles. Like, when I think of rumbling, I think of like a train passing or like yeah. a big truck going by. Like, mm-hmm. there's sound accompanying that. So I don't know. Or an earthquake, maybe. Like, there's earthquakes in Alaska. So, like, mm-hmm. maybe, like, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's just the curtains and nothing else is moving or whatever. But yeah, yeah I don't, the rumbling curtains. So I, <laughs> yeah, that was amusing to me. That was cute. 
Okay. Another common one is uh, the shower curtains swaying back and forth. Mm. Um, and again, I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably the fan wasn't on and the window wasn't open type of deal. Like, yeah. you know, because why would the curtain be moving then? Okay, there's we have our uh, our our jilted bride. That must be ever like in every haunted hotel, I think. Mm. Right. Almost. Um, yeah. So she was spurned on her wedding day back in the twenties, the nineteen twenties, because now we're in the twenties again, but obviously <laughs> not not these twenties, the last twenties, <laughs> when her fiance struck gold and dumped her. Oh. Yeah. So. On the wedding day. Like, could you imagine, like, oh, the love of my life, we're going to get married. And then he comes in, like, oh, I just found gold. Bye. Like, (laughs) fuck you, too. So she hanged herself in her wedding dress. Mm. And so, of course, now she walks the hotel for eternity in that dress. And this made me think of, like, remember a while back we had a conversation about, like, make sure you're always dressed in clothes that you like in case you die. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're going to be stuck in them forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like she's so she's like you know I'm sure she's being like all like theatric and everything about it like cool mm-hmm. but now you're in a wedding dress for eternity like yeah and it just made me think like what are my high rise skinny jeans gonna look like a hundred years from now <laughs> or like my daily look like my joggers and a tank top and no bra like messy bun <laughs> off to the side like I'm just gonna be like the sloppiest ghost like stains on my clothes. <laughs> I'm just going to be like the sloppiest ghosting was ever seen. <laughs> or maybe I'll have my hair out and it's just like all like every angle, you know. Ask me a long eternity, you guys. I don't know. Just for comfort, you know. Comfort over fashion. Function. Yeah. Function over fashion. That's what I meant. <laughs> and by function, I meant comfort. So I wasn't wrong. <laughs> um, one guest reported feeling... Uh, oh, this was a sensitive or a medium guest, I, um, as opposed to small or large guest. No, I'm kidding. This guest <laughs> was, a me- was a medium, is a medium. Um, and they reported feeling restless spirits in the hotel and that he'd encountered an insane woman and uh, separately and a little boy. The insane woman. Like, what did she do that you know she's insane? Was yeah. it me with my crazy hair everywhere? No bra with stains all over my clothes? Sounds like me. Throwing cats at people. <laughs> Absolutely. Ghost cats, I hope. <laughs> Another common one is hearing kids running around being the little miscreants they are when there are no children staying at the hotel. <laughs> Related, in May of 2007, a guest called the front desk complaining of someone... Pre- wow, thanks, autocorrect. Because <laughs> I really almost read it, too. It's pranking, but it changed it to prancing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say prancing. So my it says front, they called the front desk complaining of someone prancing. I wrote pranking. Like the K and the C are nowhere near each other. Come on, Siri. What are you doing to me, man? Just really trying to sabotage me here. Anyway, 2007 called the front desk complaining someone pranking him by tapping on the door and then running away and he said he heard children giggling so he thought mm-hmm. like little kids were bored and fucking with him mm-hmm. and i think it was like late at night so he's trying to sleep so he's like you know yeah. fucking kids go away uh the front desk person looked in the register and saw that there were no children staying at the hotel that night 
<laughs> That's uh, fun. Yeah. Fucking kids. Back in 2004, an employee working at the front desk glanced up at a mirror on the wall across from her and saw a smoky silhouette of a white dress passing by. Mm. So, obviously nothing was in front of her, so she thought it was behind her. So she spun around, and no one was there. No one was there. No one was there. The only thing that was there was a painting of a woman on the wall behind her, and I guess it was kind of a a creepy kind of style, but it was Uh just the face. There's no dress or anything that could be mistaken for, like, you know, a, a dress passing by. It doesn't say, it doesn't suggest this or anything. It's not suggested anywhere, specified anywhere, but... I would say the white dress. I mean, I would guess that was the bride going by maybe, right? Possibly. Yeah. Um, so she looked around. She didn't see anything. Um, and then there was nothing in the mirror after that. So she just kind of shrugged it off and went back to work. Mm-hmm. Later, that same week, a boyfriend of one of the employees was in the lobby, I guess, waiting for his significant other to get off of work or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he was putting the time to use by practicing how to tie a tie right next to the lobby fireplace. Is that important? Not really. I just think it's kind of fun that he was practicing <laughs> how to tie a tie. The same employee was behind the front desk as with the um, the white dress. Mm-hmm. Above the fireplace hangs a picture of Sidney Lawrence, that artist that I mentioned before that lived there and had a studio down in the lobby and everything. Okay. So the employee is doing front desk work, going through logs and paperwork, whatever front desk people do when it's slow in there. And this dude is sitting practicing tying his tie. Out of nowhere, the framed picture of Sidney Lawrence just, quote unquote, spontaneously catapulted. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Anchorage Daily News. That was aptly worded. Uh, Spontaneously catapulted off the mantle across the room and shattered a glass coffee table on impact. Wow. So that bitch didn't just fall. That motherfucker went with force. Like somebody threw that shit. Apparently. (laughs) It shattered a glass coffee table. And contrary to what you see in TV shows and movies, glass coffee tables are not that easy to shatter. Mm -hmm. The front desk a woman we're gonna meet her in a second her name's terry terry she at first she thought it was an earthquake but then she looked around and nothing else was shaking the hanging chandelier was completely still <laughs> Ty guy says uttermost casualness maybe it's your ghost and he's back <laughs> to tie his tie wow in October of 2011, a guest reported opening the closet. Ooh, this one. I hate this one, but also love it, kind of. A guest <laughs> opened his closet only to find a small child standing inside, smiling up at him. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Creepy. I cannot. And smiling makes it even worse. Like, now mm. I just want to kick you in the teeth. <laughs> Go away, demon child. The other common general reports are lights turning on and off or flickering, uh, generalized giggling, coughing, whispering, unexplained temperature fluctuations, shadow figures, my fave next to kids, <laughs> and the feeling of being leaned on or pushed. Yeah. I love shadow figures as evidence, but seeing them firsthand is a little bit intimidating because they typically tend to be kind of big. And there's no, like, features. They're just shadows. They're, yeah. You know, that 
I guess what you can't, the fear of the unknown kind of whatever, I don't know, whatever. Anyways, Terry Rusi, um, that was the employee at the front desk. She's the one who started the ghost log book. So they have yeah. a ghost log book. So if you guys go here, I want to go here. And um, and you stay and you experience anything. You go down to the front desk. You ask for the ghost book. And you write down your whole experience. Cool. Yeah. Those are fun. To, the One of the McMinimans that we stayed in had one of those. That thing was thick. And it was <laughs> full. But it, they're so fun to read. Mm-hmm. Assuming that the people who write in it have legible handwriting. Because some of them are super messy. And it's like, no one's reading this. Why did you even? So she got that started. And... She's also um, behind having numerous mediums come in, ghost hunters, paranormal experts. She's arranged for all of them to, like, come in and, like, investigate and everything like that. And then she compiles all the info that they gather. So she's, like, the mastermind (laughs) for all the paranormal stuff. Based on the information that all of those people have gathered when they've been there, it's estimated that at any given time there are about three dozen spirits roaming the hotel. Wow. Some are regulars. There was no mention of a portal or a vortex, but there apparently are some spirits who are just passing through. Hmm. They have nothing to do with the hotel. They don't stay. They're like a one-off. Two of the spirits that are there permanently are a little boy and a little girl. So, I mean, I would go out on a limb and say they're the ones, the giggling and the kid in the closet and the tapping on the door, the little mischievous scamps that they are. (laughs) Little mischievous scamps. They didn't die in the hotel, but they died at a hospital that was nearby. And their Mm -hmm. family, they had a family of nine. They all lived at the hotel. So they think that these kids come back and, like, try to visit them. Ah, okay. Angelique Conrad. I love that name, Angelique. So pretty. Um, she's an Alaskan medium, and she's been there. And she says that that whole block is just negative energy. Um, something's wrong with that that whole immediate area right there, and that could also be contributing to the activity. So maybe there is like a vortex or a portal or something there. Maybe something happened on that land before anything was built that's um, attracting all the energy. But. It seems to be pretty active, and I would love to go. And that's all I had for the <laughs> historic Anchorage Hotel in Anchorage, Alaska. It was so short. Still pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, lots of cool experiences. Yeah, and an unsolved murder, you know that always gets, like, the blood pumping, right? Like, gets the heart beating, the adrenaline flowing. So, hey, if you don't give a shit about anything else, you could just, you know exit out now but if you want to hang around and chat with us hang around and chat with us we got a few things to go over i have some corrections well not not really corrections so much as follow-ups i guess follow-up confirmations yeah so yeah so let me tell you what i got um because it's been a while um i don't i was i thought to myself that i should go back and look and see which episodes these were in i didn't do that um (laughs) Whatever. This first one, though, might have been the last one that we did. Mm-hmm. 56. It had come up. I don't remember how it came up, which is why I don't remember which episode it was. Um, but I had brought up that the Nightmare on Elm Street movies had been inspired by true events. Uh-huh. And, but it was something that I had found, like, I stumbled across it in passing while I was researching something else. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But then I hadn't planned to talk about it. But then I talked about it and <laughs> it was all fucked up because I hadn't written anything down because I hadn't planned to talk about it. Well, this time I planned to talk about it. So let me tell you, I got links. I got Snopes. I got SciFi.com. SciFi Wire did um, a little thing. And the New York Times, bitches. I would have the LA Times, too. I found the article from the 60s. Oh. But remember I was having problems with that newspapers.com account? Apparently, they decided that my subscription no longer covers every newspaper. Oh, yeah. So apparently every single California paper is no longer covered. Because okay. I found this, I found a few articles across different papers. The one that Wes Craven credits is the one in the LA Times. Mm. But I can't access any of them. And then there's Ooh. like a whole Reddit thread about people trying to find the articles. <laughs> um, no one can find them. Um, but anyway, so. The LA so, Times sucks. <laughs> not really. Well, it's not their fault. It's, you know. Um but Wes Craven, so he read an article in the LA Times about a family that came. So initially I thought it was um, men in Indonesia. So I kind of combined two different stories with that. But the article he read was about a family from Cambodia who had escaped the killing fields to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Then once they got to the U.S., they came as refugees and they were fine for a while. And then the son started having these awful nightmares Okay. And he was really like insistent. The thing that something was chasing him in the nightmare and it's going to get him for real. And then he would refuse to sleep for days at a time. And then he died in his sleep in the midst of a nightmare. So that's the one that Wes Craven credits for his inspiration. But there's another one. And I think this is the one that I had read kind of before. Mm -hmm. Nobody's from Indonesia. I don't know where I got Indonesia from. (laughs) (laughs) okay but i looked on google earth and cambodia and indonesia aren't too far apart maybe a few thousand miles (laughs) so like i was in the right region i don't you know i have no idea where i got indonesia from the other case it involves the death of 18 loatians so this article was published in the new york times in may of 1981 And I was able to find, like, a digital, like, not a copy of the article, but, like, somebody had, like, retyped it to publish on the website. Okay. 17 men and one woman died in their sleep over the course of four years. They were all Laotian refugees. And I have no idea if I'm saying Laotian. Is it it Laotian? Laotian? I think think Laotian. They were all refugees. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys take your pick. I've never heard the word out loud before, so I'm sight reading. That's how it works. I don't, don't at me. I don't care. Five of the deaths occurred in Minneapolis, St. Paul within 18 months of each other. They were all otherwise healthy and appeared to have been frightened to death. So it has a name. It's called Nightmare Death Syndrome. Wow. Apparently it's common in the Philippines. I don't want to say common. Not not common. More common than here? (laughs) More common. Yeah. Um, So the actual name of it is a Filipino word um, that I didn't write down. And I tried, I did try to say it though, and I sounded ridiculous. So I just, I'm not going to do it. And one of the doctors that they interviewed, like he's quoted as saying, like, I know what didn't kill them. They weren't (laughs) shot. They weren't stabbed. They weren't sick. They weren't poisoned. Like it was, but it was just like this big mystery. So all they have is just like kind of irregular heart rhythm, like arrhythmia, something, something with their heart. 
uh-huh. which essentially boiled down to they were frightened to death, but they were in their they were sleeping. Yeah. So their nightmare killed them. But the that it was specifically this group of people in this small of a time frame, especially when you look at the Minneapolis St. Paul ones, five of mm-hmm. them within 18 months. And then overall you have 18 over the course of 4 years in in this one and when they came to the US, they're all spread out. So yeah. like there's like the five of them in Minneapolis St. Paul, but then you have like there's a a group of a few thousand of them living in Rhode Island. There's a group of a few thousand of them living in, uh, I don't remember, California. Like, they're all over the country. Mm-hmm. And, it, like, it seemed to be, like, this all just kind of was just concentrated in this one, like, group of people. So weird. Yeah. Um, but Wes Craven credits the the Cambodia family for the okay. inspiration. But then you have this one happening between 77 and 81. It's, like, the same time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that. That was the story behind that. <laughs> Crazy. My next one is I'm pretty sure I said it correctly, actually, but I know it sounds ridiculous, so I had to double check. It would have been during one of the, oh, maybe it was my St. Helens episode because there's the Willamette River. Oh, maybe. And I think you asked me, like, are you sure that's how you say that? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's what Jody said. So. And I think I touched on this before, too, last time when I was like, I don't know if it's Willamette or Willamette. The first time I ever saw that word written down, I was in the car with Jody, who lives in Oregon. She lives mm-hmm. um, she lives like an hour from Portland. So I, fuck the rest of you. I'm taking Jody's expert residential opinion on this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we're in the car. We're driving. And we pass a sign for Willamette. And I'm looking at it. And I'm trying to sound it in my head. And it ends in E-T-T-E. So mm-hmm. that made me feel like it would be Willamette. Yeah. But then I thought to myself, self, that sounds ridiculous. You sound like a cartoon character. It must be Willamette. Like, you pronounce everything wrong. Just say Willamette. So then I, I said something like, oh, the Willamette Rivers. <laughs> And she just started laughing at me. (laughs) She's driving and she just busted out laughing. (laughs) And I was like, what? And she's like, it's Willamette. (laughs) So, and then since then, I've asked her like four times. God bless her. I've asked her like four more times. Like, how do you say it again? Wait, (laughs) wait. I know I asked you this before. So just yesterday, I sent her a voice memo. And I was like, I know I've asked you this like 3,000 times. But (laughs) it's Willamette, right? And she just texted back, yes, <laughs> with an exclamation. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that's how I was saying it on the episode, but then I started second-guessing myself, and I just wanted to confirm that it is indeed the Willamette River. All right, guys, that's episode 57 for you. Sorry about the delay. Life. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Can we just reference life? Like, that's Life. Just everything. hashtag life. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I can't even, like, if I was going to get into, like, explaining why we've been gone so long, that's a whole episode in itself. And nobody wants to hear about that. Yeah. (laughs) So, changes are coming. Maybe we'll go over a couple of them in the next episode. Um, Let us know how you like our new format. If you like this better at the end rather than the beginning. Uh, We want to hear from you guys. Shoot us an email. Shoot us a DM. I almost said shoot us a text, but you don't have my phone number. You not have my phone <laughs> yeah. Number. We're not giving not those out. out. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. Maybe if I get a business phone, but y'all can't have my personal number. Um, that's it. Episode 57 in the can. Cool. See you later. I should get a can. And make <laughs> it like, oh, hey, thanks for potting with us. <laughs> that's the one I was waiting for. I was like, I'm missing something. I should get a can to put in here and like ding it. <laughs> in the can and then like flick a soda can and be like ding and then have it like so after the fourth time wow. it happened they decided okay we're gonna put a, another bolt on this window at right angles so I, I think it goes into the from the frame of the window to the door to, to the door jam to the window jam not the door jam it's not a door the window frame? I've never heard of a window jam. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let me try that again. <laughs> um, the dog, Dolly. What? Apparently, Dolly likes to lick your leg and your toes and also brush up against your leg. I won't respond to that. Did you hear that? Yes. Nobody touched anything. <laughs> the iPad is not even in my hands, and it came from the iPad. It's on the floor. It's standing up on the floor next to me. <laughs> Nobody said it. I wasn't talking. You're in my earbud. I was going to say, I didn't did he touch hear me? It. 